All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Tunes Made, episode 60. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray had a chance this episode to catch up with Luke LeBlanc. You remember we had him back on the show, I don't know how many podcasts ago, but this time he's put out a new album and he decided to approach his next record differently. And I started talking to him about when you came out and you had a debut record and now you're working on your next one, there's always that pressure to create something and and live up to what your first one was. And his attitude this round was, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to bring in some different instruments. I'm going to try some different writing styles. And that is definitely one way to do it. I know that, for example, one of my favorites, as we've probably talked at ad nauseum on this podcast, is Van Halen. And I know what they did was they released their first record, but Ted Templeman always said, save some of your good ones for the next one. And I think Richard Marks did the same thing, if I'm mm-hmm. not correct from reading some of his, that you save some of your good ones. And I think Luke did that here too. What do you think about, you know, you're putting out that next record. Is there anything that you've seen over the years from just studying artists? Yeah, I think uh, your point's a good one there. That idea of when artists have enough material already, right, that you save some for the next record. You know, you see a lot of a lot of folks that, they, you know, they have, that's the whole idea behind a one-hit wonder or a one-album wonder, right? They, they have this this uh this this album that comes out this record comes out it it does well it's got one two maybe three songs you know people remember or even sometimes just one and then it's so hard to follow up and oftentimes because it's hard to catch that same kind of feel or you're trying to catch it but you can't because it's not you know it's not the same feel and i like what, what what you mentioned about what luke said about trying something different you know because a lot of times artists will try okay they catch something good with an album or they like what they have in an album and they kind of try to do the same with the next album and it ends up kind of just being too much the same and so you know people like things that are the same they like to have a you know you, you listen to a band and you're like okay that feels like that band and they they like to have that feel but they want it to be just different enough that it's not just the same stuff right so so the whole idea of I'm going to try something different, well, probably your style is still going to come through. Your your feel is going to come through, but you're going to be doing something different. So it's going to be interesting to the audience. Yeah. And I, you, you, when you started talking, you reminded me of the band Bad English. I know mm-hmm. the late 80s, I guess they put a record out in the 90s there. And they came back with their second album. Yep. And straight to your heart. I think it went yep. to 41. I could be off, but I don't think it went top 40. And I just recently listened to an interview with John Waite, who was the lead singer. And he basically said the record company forced them to go in and they just weren't ready. And they just got off tour and they just weren't happy recording the album. So he said in the studio, they just were disgruntled (laughs) putting it together. And he believes that if they would have had a break before they recorded that bad English would would have continued but if you listen to that album and i did i remember i was first per, went, i loved the first album went out and purchased it and i'm like this sounds exactly like the first one yep. like i don't hear anything different i mean i i liked it but you can see that it fizzled and you can kind of tell so like you said i'm glad that luke 
tried something new, went out on, you know, tried some different angles. But I know you remember that bad English album. Yep. There's, yep. there's probably some other ones we can probably think of that they came out and you're just like, what happened? I mean, I know the whole Millie Vanilli thing. That's just a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> that's a whole different kind of can of worms. Yeah, no, the bad English, I think that's a great example. And uh, what you mentioned about John Waite saying, you know, the, they, I mean, because they hit, uh, you know, that, that, that debut album, their, their self-titled debut album, you know, When I See You Smile is still played on, you know, stations today. And then Price of Love. And they, you know, they had two top 10 hits and they had this, this feel that really caught the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, you, were, you actually you did great with Straight to Your Heart. You were only one position off. It went to 42. So it just almost hit the top four. But you're right. It sounds like it could have just been on their first album, right? And the, the album, I remember us listening to that second album when it came out in when we were in college. And it, it was. It, it, it was. It felt very much the same stuff. And I mean, you know, that was a time period, right, where Alias, Nelson, you know, you go down the list. There was this oh, whole yeah. group of, of acts that were like this. and. And Bad English was, I mean, you know, you could call them a super group, right? Because Neil Schoen and Jonathan Kane are in there with John Waite, right? You know, they're, they're not a super group in the way that maybe the Traveling Wilburys brought together, like, you know, these really huge names. But, but these are some, I mean, these are some big name folks in the music industry, right? And, you know, the band brought them together. And so, yeah, the idea that, okay, we're going to, we got this sound and we're going to, and it's it's popular, and these other acts are doing it. So let's put out a new album. But then, yeah, it, it fizzled. And yeah, like you said, we liked it, but it sounded like this first album. Yeah. Well, Luke definitely went in with a different approach this time. He went in joyful to record this, not like Bad English, where they're disgruntled. <laughs> so let's listen to Luke and his interview. And when we come back, we'll wrap it up. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tudes Mate. And look who's back. I've got the opportunity to talk again to Luke LeBlanc. How are you, Luke? I'm doing well. It's a cloudy day here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but it's like a, a comforting, cloudy day. Sometimes when it's like sunny outside, you feel like you got to go out and do a bunch of stuff. So it's nice to have an excuse to stay inside and relax for a minute. <laughs> right. And I notice a lot of your photos especially I remember the video from your last album. I haven't had a chance to check out if you have any videos for your, your new album, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But I also noticed you're always outside. Is Are you an outdoorsman? You know, growing up, my my dad and I, we didn't like buy any meat from the store or anything. We'd just, you know, go deer hunting. And for us, it wasn't it wasn't about like, getting a deer for the rack or a mount on the wall. It was just, you know, meat and that's it. So being outdoors and, and, and appreciating nature has always been, you know, a value of mine, not just for hunting, but just, just appreciating the outdoors and, and everything. So I think that's, that's part of it. Also, I think, you know, going outside, you can, <laughs> you can find really cool stuff to take photos by without trespassing on anybody's property or going in anybody's house. So that's the other, <laughs> the other side of it too. True. Well, I can just tell, cause it seems, I remember during the last interview, we talked about how the weather can, can impact you. So it sounds like that is part of 
how you approach not only your lifestyle, but I can see that reflected in your music. Mm -hmm. Am I gathering the right vibe? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I'm I'm no uh, meteorologist or weatherman or expert on any of that stuff, but I, if I recall from a from somebody long ago who's talking about fishing, fish are you know affected by the barometer in the air, and I don't know exactly how that works, but I do know they're affected by it, and I feel like, you know. If fish are affected by the barometer, we must be too a little bit. You know, the the weather, the seasons, the the changing from summer to winter. I it really does. I think it does affect human emotion. And I know it's a cliche. You know, when two people meet, the first thing they talk about is weather, right? It's a, like a cliche. You know, everybody just talks about the weather. But I think there is a reason for that. I, I think we are, you know, subconsciously really deeply affected by what's going on outside you know if it, i know i feel different when you know this time of year it comes and like 5 36 o'clock it's dark you know versus in the summer when it's like you know you got some daylight left it there's just an extra i don't know urgency uh in the air maybe um, yeah, i agree with you right? yeah there's that it definitely impacts us and you started talking about how it can change our mood and I did get a chance to listen to your latest effort, Fugue State. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And is this reflective of the environment over the last year? <laughs> where did where did this where did the title come from and where did the the music outpour from for this release? Yeah, for sure. It's um it's climate related, but I guess more climate climate in the social sense um, mm -hmm. rather than the, <laughs> the atmospheric sense. You know, fugues. So fugue state is like a it's a psychology term for um, you might have heard of it, like on on Breaking Bad if if you're a fan of the show. But Walter White fakes a fugue state and uh, in order to get out of a jam. We'll just say that to prevent any spoilers for folks who haven't seen the show but um a fugue state is like if, if when somebody is under an extreme amount of stress or trauma they might disassociate from their identity forget who they are uh temporarily as a coping mechanism and i think collectively we're kind of going through a fugue state as a society i mean in the united states but globally as well uh you know from social reckoning cultural, political divide, really deep ones. And the pandemic, you know, to put a unfortunate cherry on top of all of that, I think it's, it's left us in a state where we're losing track of what we are or what we were and are kind of approaching a, a spot where it's time to step back and say, okay, what is our identity going forward what are we keeping from the past and what are we going to hold on to going forward and and my album you know it's it's a piece of music it's a it's a processing of emotions right and i don't have any solutions and i don't i don't claim to be some expert with solutions but i know that music for me is my way of processing emotionally what we're going through and 
I feel like if I'm thinking those things, maybe some other people might be thinking them too. And I, I think it's just a place for us to process what's going on before we can, you know, move forward to find solutions because you got to process what's going on before you can figure out what to do to move forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I think it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I went through the track list and, you know, once again, you have captured something special here as you did on your first release. But I think it's interesting how I noticed some subtle differences. And I don't know on this particular release if it was the collaboration you had. I know you had an opportunity to collaborate. And I heard some different instruments and some arrangements. How did this album differ from the last? Yeah, this... This album, before I, before I started recording it, I, I kind of said to myself, you know, only human, only human was a you know good album and I enjoyed making it and I'm really, really proud of it. But I think there were moments and, and times in the recording process where I was just, I was trying to make sure everything was perfect and everything was right. And it it led me to to rethink what an album is you know making a piece of art what what does that mean and art isn't meant to be you know 100% perfect and some like final 100% finished product i i think art is meant to be a snapshot of where you are in your creative growth and process and so Going into fugue state, I kind of said to myself, you know, let's make an album where I'm, I'm going to try some new things. I'm going to sing in some different vocal ranges, try some falsetto mm-hmm. stuff, try some lower stuff, try some new time signatures. And in the actual recording itself, you know, not worrying about the take being perfect, just like perform that take, you know, and just perform the song and not worry about it, you know all being perfect and i i think it it paid off and it allowed it allowed me to grow because doing all that and, and giving up that idea of you know getting the perfect take and making sure every song is perfect and i'm not risking you know trying new stuff that's all very uncomfortable to do but you know if you're if you're doing something that's uncomfortable that that helps you grow so i viewed the album as like hey let's take a snapshot of where i am creatively and uh, try new things. And so, yeah, like I said, time signatures, vocal ranges, and trying, you know, new instruments. Uh, there's pedal steel throughout the album, mm-hmm. a little bit of saxophone, a little bit of banjo here and there, and, and really just listening intently to to each song and saying, you know, what does this song need? Not like, what what should this song be? just say what is this song and and uh kind of you know take the guidance from the song rather than the other way around yeah well and i went through the track list and there's a few that i wrote down that i had questions on so the first one that jumped out to me was slide on over that seemed all of a sudden i could i could hear it on the radio for some reason it just it, mm-hmm. i felt like it was one of those songs that i don't know where you would hear it maybe i'm walking past the gas station and I hear it coming out of the, 
<laughs> in, inside while someone's working on a car or something. But yeah, what was that song about specifically? You know, it's uh, I think it's a song that just captures a little moment in time. I mean, I what's the what's the lyric? I just want to be like the light shining off the moon. Slide on over to you. It's a it's a love song. It's a song of of longing, and I, I think it's a song that just captures a a fleeting but happy and fulfilling moment that that two people can have. And it's really not about two people specifically, just about that feeling. And uh, mm-hmm. I wrote the song on my acoustic guitar and just recorded it you know, on the little voice memos thing, the app on my phone. And it, uh, it came like very quickly, the first and second verse and the chorus. And uh, I think it all kind of came together within 20, 20 or 30 minutes. And then I think afterwards, I just added the last little verse, which is kind of a bridge, but it follows the musical structure of the verse. Um, so it came really quickly. And it it, it was I it got stuck in my head and so I thought well if it if it's getting stuck in my head maybe it'll get stuck in other people's heads and so <laughs> when we when I was talking to my publicist like hey what do you think like the first single should be I was like I probably slide on over because that's stuck in my head and he's like yeah that's stuck in my head too let's do that one yeah I mean I could tell I mean it's what's interesting is like you said earlier it's a snapshot. So you, I clearly get a picture when you hear that one. And then there were two others. Well, there's a bunch of them, but I had an interesting, I was like, you've got two songs with walk in it back to back. And I wasn't sure if that was done purposely. They're definitely different. I mean, walking days, when I hear that, it's, it's like a hand clapper. I feel like I want to participate in that song was, was walking days written for that purpose or did it just come out that way? Um, you know, it, it wasn't when I, when I originally wrote it, um, it was more of a like slow, well, not too slow, but kind of a mid tempo finger picking folk song. Um, and it didn't have that like rhythm to it. It It's just real light finger picking. And when we were in the recording studio, working with Eric Koskinen, who produced the the record, he was, he listened to me play it for a little bit. And he's, he said, you ever tried a shuffle? And I'm like a shuffle, you know, what's tell me more about this shuffle thing. And I, I think he just played a couple, he showed me a couple examples, you know, and I was like, Oh, yeah, shuffle. Okay, I'm familiar. And so I, I put the song, the same melody and lyrics and everything, but just put it into a shuffle instead. And it, it made the song, you know, so much better because it, it when you walk, it's kind of, you, you literally kind of shuffle and it gives the song a little more rhythm and makes you want to clap along to it. Whereas the original finger picking folkier version of the song, which I like, and I'll, I'll probably play again someday. Um, it's not danceable. Whereas walking days is, um, not that my songs are super danceable songs, but it's it's uh, it's entering danceable territory, we'll say. So 
that's that's kind of how it came about. So no, the music intentionally wasn't wasn't really written to go along with it. But I guess the lyrics were. That's interesting. And then immediately after that is when I walk with you. Was there some theme there between walk or did it just happen that way that they were right after another on your album? <laughs> you know, I, I think when I when I sit down and you know, take the group of songs for an album and try to figure out an order. You know, I, I do listen to the themes, but I also, I mean, just, uh, just to be blatant about it, you know, I do listen to the, the ebb and flows of the songs. And I, I don't, when I listen to a record, you know, I, I don't want too many slow songs in a row or too many fast songs in a row. I like it to, you know, follow kind of the dynamic and as I was organizing the songs based on their tempos and themes, those two just kind of happened to really fit together. And mm-hmm. I think it was just, it was after I like sent the songs to get mastered and they were all in order. I was like, Oh geez, I got two walking songs next to each other. But um, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of fits, you know, you, you, you walk when you're in a bad mood and you walk when you're in a good mood and you, you walk when you're in a sad mood too. So I think, it was, I think it was okay. Yeah. Well, the reason I brought it up is because you mentioned sax and when I walk with you has a lot of sax throughout the song, which pulled me in. I, mm-hmm. I, for some reason I have a weakness for saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> and when I heard that mixed in it, once again, this is where it's later down your album, if you're listening in order. Mm-hmm. And this is where it really hit me. I was like, Luke really was, trying different things and i can tell with this effort how it just fit in there talk about the idea of bringing in sax and did you collaborate with someone or what did you just hear that in your mind when you wrote this song yeah when i when i wrote that song i had i just bought a a midi keyboard m-i-d-i midi keyboard it's like yeah you might be familiar with it already but if listeners aren't it's you like plug it into your computer and it's a it's a keyboard like a piano keyboard but you can program it to like any instrument you might have on your computer software so I was using GarageBand and GarageBand it's got like every instrument you want and so I just bought that thing and uh so I was messing with all the sounds and I had this melody in my head and so I wrote that song when I walk with you and I immediately, you know, started demoing it, right? Because with that MIDI keyboard, I could like imitate a full drum kit, you know, poorly played, but still <laughs> a full drum kit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I kind of came up with that vibe and melody, and then um, yeah, I just it, I heard saxophone. I don't, I don't know what it is, you know, maybe it's just subconscious music, you know, the kinds of music I listened to growing up or whatever, but it just felt like saxophone fit. And so I, you know, threw the saxophone instrument setting on there and, and just played, you know, the notes enough to get the, the vibe. And then when we actually recorded the song, it, it really did follow how the demo sounded, but the, the instruments sound a lot better because they're not just me on a keyboard. You know, I played the, <laughs> the guitar and sang, but a guy named Casey Friends played uh, saxophone and he 
gosh, he recorded it in one take and it just, he played just enough and just, just a little. And, you know, it was perfect, like understated so much that it, it really makes an impact. It's very subtle. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just really blessed with the, with the musicians I was able to play with on, on this album. Yeah. Who did you collaborate with on the album? Who were the musicians? Yeah. So, um, Eric Koskinen produced and played electric guitar and uh, bass, and he played a little banjo and, and a little keys on a couple couple things. And uh, John Cleve Richardson, he played on the last album as well. He played keys like piano, organ, clavinet, and backup vocals. He's got just a, a wonderful voice. And uh, Casey Friends on the saxophone, as I mentioned. Aaron Beckers played drums. Cool thing about Aaron, he's he's another guy based in in Minnesota here. He plays um his other band that he's in is a death metal band, which is really interesting cuz I I don't listen to death metal myself like you know recreationally I don't really put it on while I'm you know doing stuff, but I will go to his shows once in a while just to check it out and you know I kind of hang out in the back and I put my earplugs in because it's pretty loud but it's fascinating to watch the the time signatures like you'll have four different time signatures in one song and then Aaron you know on the drums is up there with like two two kick pedals like a double kick thing and it's incredible to watch him go from playing metal heavy metal to like playing this like Americana roots stuff. Um, and he's just so versatile. It's just fascinating to watch. And then uh, who else? Oh, Ryan Young, violinist. He's a violinist in Trampled by Turtles. And um, so it was great having him on. And then last but very much not least is Eric Haywood, who played pedal steel and... Um, he he played with Ray LaMontagne for about five or six years touring, and he played on a couple of his records. The, the record, God Willing and the Creep Don't Rise, it's a Ray LaMontagne record I'm a giant fan of. I knew that record and listened to it a million times in high school before I even knew of Eric Haywood. And then Koskinen was like, hey, for Pedal Steel, how about, what do you think of this guy, Eric, Eric Haywood? What if we have him on? And... Uh, He's like, yeah, he played on Ray LaMontagne. I'm like, he played on that that record? That That's there, okay? I'm like, yeah, let's have him on. So that that was just so cool. You know, somebody who, I you know, I listened to him on records in high school a million times, and it's like to get to have him on, on my album is just uh, an incredibly humbling, you know, experience. So... Anyways, like I said, it just watching these guys play and learning from them and and having them contribute to, you know, songs I put together is just really cool. So, yeah, thanks. Sounds to- like a learning experience. I mean, even going out to the show, watching the death metal and seeing how that's constructed. And yeah. it just sounds like, once again, this effort, you've trying something new. You're working with new musicians. You've really tried some new things. And 
the one thing that always interests me is you talked about earlier, and if you can just for a second for those listeners out there that maybe they're budding musicians, but it sounds like your process. So before you even take it to anyone, it sounds like you are making some type of demo. So you are taking that in a garage band and you're kind of adding all those instruments so someone can actually hear what it may sound like. It's It doesn't sound like you're bringing in the, the roughy, scratchy track off your phone. Yeah, um, sometimes. It, it depends. I, I think there's uh, there are sometimes... Well, there's kind of three things that go on. I think sometimes I do have a, a really clear vision for how I want the song to sound at the end, right? And so I'll, I'll kind of demo it. And I, I can be like real stubborn about it. I'm like, this is how I want it to sound. And then there's some, sometimes where I'll record a demo just because, gosh, it's really fun to do just to like, you know, have some free time and sit at home and I've got a song idea and I'm just going to record it and try to play some instruments on it and just have fun and see how it sounds. And, and if it's a cool demo, yeah, I'll bring it to the recording studio and say, Hey, this is what I got so far. What do you think? Or if it's not a good demo, then it's kind of option three where, you know, we'll just be in the studio and I'll be working with Eric and he'll say, what, all right, what song are we doing next? And I just pick up the guitar and say, well, here it is, you know, and, and then we kind of go from there mm -hmm. and build it from the ground up. So, um, all three ways are, are really fun. And I, I think, uh, I think the most, most important part, and I really haven't fully learned this lesson. I'm still trying to, <laughs> is like, do, when you're doing something and you're not like worried about it and you're just having fun, that's like when cool stuff happens. So yeah, that's my, that's my long answer to your short question. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you though. When you're just having fun, yeah, then the best things happen. And I was reading on your Twitter account, once again, congratulations on the new album. Thanks. There was a review of your album. And I went through and I was comparing because I listened to it as well. And I was looking at the reviewer and the last part, they compare the final song on your album, which is long way to go. This kind of has a, a Bob Dylan kind of a feel. Have you had anyone tell you that before? Have you read that about your style? And if so, what do you think about that? I guess first is thanks. You know, that's that's always great to 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 have a song that you know reminds somebody of of Bob Dylan. Um, I mean, he he I when I when I was learning the guitar and you know first started playing and somebody gave me a, a Bob Dylan greatest hits you know CD when I was like eleven and that's when I really got into Bob Dylan. It just opened my world wide open, you know, and I think so many people, musicians or, or not have had that experience because he took, he took popular song and made it into, you know, not just something fun to, to listen to, but like an art form, a literary art form in and of itself. And, um, I mean, and it's not just him that, that did it right. But he, he was so prolific and, and one of the pioneers, you know. So it I think Bob Dylan really his music runs through 
through every musician's veins, really, if you, if you think about it. So, yeah, it's a it's a great great thing to hear. And you know, when I was when I was thirteen, I won this Bob Dylan singer songwriter competition in Hibbing, Minnesota, where you play one song of your own and then like one Bob Dylan song. And I won that uh, contest when I was thirteen, and that kind of allowed me to it kind of opened some doors to open cool shows. Like I got to open for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band after that, and uh, wow like Phil Solemn from from the Rembrandts and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, that contest, you know, kind of always, you know, I've got a, the Bob Dylan, you know, thing has been there and it, it's an influence. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thankful that, that, uh, that his music is, is in the world and that, and that Bob Dylan is in, in the world and, He's so prolific. It's, it's incredible. So. Yeah. Do you have a favorite track by Bob Dylan? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that just, it changes so often. Um, I always do. I, I think, yeah, what's my favorite track at the moment? I always love the song forever young. Yes. I mean, he's just, there's just so many periods, you know, you could pick like, <laughs> you could pick like time times they are changing from like his folk period you could pick like uh, like a rolling stone from the early electric years i think my favorite from like the blood on the tracks era is meet me in the morning uh then i mean from like his 80s era there's like or maybe it's late 70s gotta serve somebody you know and then there's so many songs from the time out of mind album there's a lot of them. <laughs> I love that you went through the eras, though, because yeah, that's when there's such an artist that has gone through so many decades. It's hard to pinpoint that. So, just like you said, as many artists like Picasso and Rembrandt, they all have their eras, and so did Mr. Dylan, and so will you. As we see with your current release, have you, you know, you've started going down a new path and really wanted to congratulate you on your new album and it's out now. So yep. all on streaming platforms, please check it out. And will you be doing any dates out there where anybody can come and see you live? Yeah, I, uh, I sure will. Yep. The album is out. It's streaming on Spotify and Apple music and all the places. And if people, I do mention this cause some people are like, Hey, I don't do any of that streaming stuff. Where can I get a CD? Well, people want to go to lukeleblanc.com and click on store i do have cds and i'll ship them you know wherever and then in terms of shows yeah i'm playing a show um december 1st uh in a in a town called excelsior it's just outside of the minneapolis st paul area cool really cool venue called the 318 cafe and then Another one that's uh, in Minnesota, January 14th, at a place called Palmer's. It's a really cool, it's like a small, intimate bar, very historic. It's been like a music venue in the Twin Cities since like the 60s, 70s. And it's my first time playing there, and I'll have a band with me on January 14th. And then uh, I've got a couple, couple uh, you know, lines going out. Um, working on booking some shows and the uh, going into the spring and, and going into next summer too. So 
I'll be posting all of them at lukeleblanc.com slash shows. So. Excellent. Well, so everybody knows where to go and yep. new music is out there and look forward to hearing more from you. I'm so glad that we were able to just chat about your latest effort and everything behind it. Sounds like as usual, you put everything, your heart and soul into it. And I hope everyone enjoys it and has a chance to check it out. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mark. And, and thanks for having me on and and thank you for you know what you guys do at tunesmate um just curating everything you do um it's uh it's a lot of work you know keeping keeping all that stuff up and you guys do it so thank you hey thank you yeah we've definitely there's more to come because as you know there's so much music out there and it's great to see new music that people can support, stand behind, and get lost in, as you had talked about earlier. So once again, Luke, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. All right, Ray, welcome back. Well, that was fascinating. I mean, Luke really touched on the fact that his record producer suggested bringing in some key players on his album. And I think that's very interesting. If you think about that, that is its own industry in itself, session musicians. I know there's documentaries on it. I think about Motown, I think of probably many of the the 80s groups. I know that Steve Lukather from Toto, he basically said, yeah, I recorded most of the instrumentation on Michael Jackson's Thriller album. So it is fascinating how you can make a living at it. Yeah, Toto's the, the I'm glad you mentioned Toto. They're the one that I always think of, right? That, you know, of... Uh um the a band of 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 folks who were session musicians they were they were exactly that's what they did for their career and they came together and they put together this band out of it and and it was you know highly successful and you're right we've i think we have touched on we've touched on this before the idea that you know there's a whole group of folks they make a living and they make a good living doing this you know you you're good at playing your instrument or your instruments and you you come in and you you learn you know whatever the arrangements are that you're going to be playing and you play them and you're you back you know whoever you're back in that day and that's what you do and yeah you know that's a whole industry it's a whole business it's it's a whole living that folks can make yeah and the collection of musicians that were gathered on this album talking to luke one of the songs that really blew my mind was he incorporated saxophone in one of his songs and I asked him about it. He's like, Oh yeah, you know, we brought in this musician and it was, I kind of played it. He was talking about his methodology of how he recorded the songs. And basically he said, he kind of played a rough demo of what it would sound like the sax. And he said, you know, he hit it exactly the way I envisioned it. And to me, when you can hear what's in your mind and actually get it on vinyl or however you're, I guess, mode of listening to music these days. Mm-hmm. It's that's got to be the musicians and quote, uh, composers dream. Yeah, it kind of is. You know, it's when you can when you can catch that kind of thing, kind of do what you know, do what you want. Yeah. Now, is it true since we're on a tangent about musicians? I thought I read one time that Richard Marx doesn't like to compose on a piano he likes to hear it in his head before he plays it or was that just a myth 
I don't, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I'll have to pull that out for you. But Luke did talk about his, his composition this time and putting it together. And if you are looking for some new music, I did touch upon the pact. I was like, you know, you had mentioned that I'm trying to think how I phrased the question, but I mentioned that he kind of has like a Bob Dylan kind of a, a, a feel. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I won when I was younger, I won the Bob Dylan writing, you know, music writing contest. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely hear that in his style. So if you're looking for some new music and you want to try something new, check out his latest effort. And once again, we want you to follow us. We've got some more things up our sleeve coming up. I know it's getting, as we always say, the end of the year. So we're going to definitely have our end of the year countdown. We have some other interviews around the corner, possibly some other top fives. Maybe Kenny Loggins. Maybe Billy John. I'm just kidding. Lots of options. Maybe Bad English. Oh, wait a minute. We'll put the one album on. The five. There's five. There's five to talk about. Right. So, which order did you put them in? Exactly. <laughs> Price of Love at one. I'm not sure. Is Straight to heart. Four or is it five? But, but if you we do that though, then it could open up the title title game, which means we could bring in Journey and John Waite and there you go. Messy. So there you go. Got to watch out. So make sure to follow our blog subscribe to our podcast and for everyone here at tunesmate thank you for listening i'm mark and i'm ray we'll see you next time